Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We are back, people. Lucky us. Season three, lucky listeners. Oh my God, I cannot believe this is season three. We're still plugging along here. I know, it's crazy. It is crazy. But we're back (laughs) from our trip and still in recovery mode. It was definitely a mixed bag of amazing and sucked so bad. It was like the roller coaster of life. Yes. It was my greatest fear coming true on every level. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And this is why it took me so long to build up my strength mentally to go on this trip because I worried about, you know, getting sick and a bunch of things. And it was a whole plethora of it was a lesson in no matter what, you still end up landing on your feet. I like that. I came out the other side. Of course, I drained the life out of you, but that was a given. (laughs) I could not believe. Well, let's start at the beginning. We made it to Scotland. Yeah, we had a little bit of a rough go. So let me just preface it to say, because we did have a lot of time off and we were going to have that trip that we've talked about forever on the podcast. So today's episode is probably going to be, if I'm being generous, a 50-50 split between us discussing our Scotland trip and us discussing today's book. It's maybe more like 75% Scotland <laughs> book, if I'm being honest. Just keep Boy. that in mind for the listeners for today's episode because... How could we talk about this trip for so long and then not actually tell you guys how it went? That would be weird. Yeah, that that would be mean because we know you're all waiting with bated breath to know how it went. (laughs) Yes. My number one disclosure, I will say at the get-go, which was a huge disappointment with me, was not able to score with any Scottish men. There were a lot I would have liked to have scored with because there were Mm -hmm. some handsome-looking men there, big dudes my type and um it didn't happen so sad yeah it didn't happen but you know it's okay next time (laughs) (laughs) i will say though from the get-go and maybe as like a psa for just in general for people who might be doing some travel through london um heathrow is i'm just gonna say it the worst airport i've ever been in in my life in terms of size granted it's freaking gorgeous the terminals are amazing you feel like you're in a gigantic mall because there's so many shops it's ridiculous it's a gigantic airport you have to take the bus between the terminals and then they were having logistic issues with staffing so we ended up missing our connection flight from Heathrow to Edinburgh and that was a pain but they were really good about getting us on the next flight quickly which was fortunate but just Keep that in mind for anybody who is possibly traveling and using that airport. I would say you probably need a minimum of three hours between your flights for layovers because of how big and how chaotic the airport is. Yeah, and to begin with, our flight was delayed, and then they didn't have anybody to taxi us in and they didn't have anybody to attach the terminal tube so that we could exit the plane so we were stuck on the plane for an hour and then we had to run from one terminal to another which was probably i don't know three miles i thought i was going to have a heart attack and die we had to go through all this no one was very helpful everybody just stands there and everybody's autom- everything's automated now so they're like they yell at you oh you need to do this you need to do that so i try like four Four times to get my passport to scan and then finally the person says to me oh yeah you need to take your glasses off 
like idiot take my glasses off finally get through we run through have to run to a tram that has to bus us out it was just a clusterfuck of unbelievable proportion the best part of all that is they want you to take your glasses off while also having you stand in a certain spot and doing something with your passport at the same time and it's like hey i'm not wearing these glasses for looks i actually need these to (laughs) See? How the fuck are we supposed to do all these other things and not have our glasses on? Apparently, this is how they do things over there. It it was unbelievable because in America, just to compare, there are a million TSA agents everywhere. They're all yelling at you, not yelling at you, but directing you by shouting out, you need to do this. You need to go here. I'm sorry. I need direction. I don't need all this automated crap where people are just rude because that's how people are now and very unhelpful. That's my rant. I totally get it. It was a little bit of a shock to try to get through the airport, but we did it. We did it and we were still happy because we had finally landed in Scotland. So we landed. We took a taxi to get to the hotel lugged all our shit up the steps into the hotel waited a long time for the guy to help us and then the guy tells us oh you're not actually in this hotel you're in a hotel with the exact same name that's two buildings down on the same street so then we had to lug all our shit down the stairs down the street into the other hotel and then it was unbelievable we lugging our suitcases by this time you know, I'm 66 years old and my body is sore and aching and I'm exhausted and going to die. By we, we mean Rachel. Poor Rachel. And these are big ass suitcases. There are no, there's no ramp. There's no assistance getting you up the stairs. And then after waiting all this fucking time, we find out we're at the wrong goddamn hotel. Mm -hmm. I told Rachel, just throw Throw the suitcases down the stairs. Just push them. We'll get them at the bottom. I think that's another thing that we almost take for granted or don't necessarily think about being here in America and having the ADA because you have ramps everywhere you go or elevators or things are more easily accessible. So even as somebody who's able to walk, I do notice those things. I don't necessarily need them every time. But you really notice the lack of them when you get places and there's no ramps to get into the hotel. (laughs) And the only way in is a flight of stairs. Yeah. And the elevators are so small, you can barely fit in them. We were like crammed in there with just the two of us in our suitcases. And I said... I have never been in an elevator this small in my fucking life. Then we finally get to our room. And what happened? We couldn't figure out how to turn the fucking lights on (laughs) in the hotel room. And by this time, I'm over everything. I'm crabby. I need to be put down for a nap. I think our... Americanism who has not traveled overseas ever showed very quickly when we got in the hotel room because apparently while you're there, I don't know if this is all of Europe or if this is just a Scotland thing, but when you get there, you have to take your key card to enter the hotel room and put it into a slot inside the room by the front door. And that is what activates the electricity in the room. We didn't know that. We've never been there before and we were so confused. And then you can't really see the slot because there's no fucking lights in the room. Right. (laughs) Yes. And not only do you have to put it in a slot, but the slot then activates the switches so you have to put the card in the slot then you have to find the switches for each individual plug and light switch yeah it was very obvious we didn't know what we were doing and i'm like i can't take it just put me to bed please. I think that and the other thing that was so different to me and so weird, their electrical there in general is just very different. Every single outlet, if you want to use the outlet, it has a little almost like a light switch next to it. Yeah. And you have mm-hmm. to toggle it on or off in order to use the outlet. That was different because here in America, you just plug your shit into the wall and it automatically has power to every outlet. None of the <laughs> bathrooms had outlets in them, which was so bizarre. And they didn't even have light switches in them. Every light switch or outlet was outside the bathroom, outside the door. Like, are they very worried about people electrocuting themselves near water? I don't know. Then you get, it was all very different. I have to say that I am quite surprised, or I wouldn't be surprised if my daughter opts to never 
travel with me again. I could not believe what a burden I was. <laughs> I knew it was going to be bad, but I had no idea it was going to be this bad. I couldn't even repack my fucking suitcase and get it to close. She had to repack my shit every time we were at a hotel and I did learn a lesson that on those packing cubes, I'm going to take a big marker and I'm going to write this cube has my underwear. This cube has pants. This cube has shirts because I must have unzipped and rezipped shit to the point where I was in tears. <laughs> Because I couldn't remember what was in what bag. Yeah, I think the problem with your suitcase is your suitcase was like a clamshell. And so it's hard. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a hard case. And I don't own a suitcase like that. And it's just different because it's perfectly split in half. And so you can't have things that are too lumpy because you have to be able to close both halves in order to close the whole suitcase. My suitcase isn't like that. It's just a normal soft side. So you just have the opening at the top and you can just cram stuff randomly, which is maybe a little less organized, but easier when you have a bunch of random shit. Well, that's probably true. So our stay started in Edinburgh, which I fell in love with. Me too. Um, it was, it was like, like magic. Yeah, it was like a great location. We could see the castle from the hotel lobby. We were right next to Victoria Street, which I was like obsessed with that street. Mm -hmm. I could totally see why that was inspiration, they say, for J.K. Rowling's and Diagon Alley and Harry Potter because it's just like that. Super cute. And then Amazing. We, everything was so cool and it's so different from really I feel like anywhere in America. It's just so different how it looks, how historic it is. We saw some really cool statues and everything. And then we went up near Fort William, which is in the Highlands area, which is a super small town, but also had like, I think maybe that was the prettiest church we saw was in that town. Well, I think that was the only church I got to see, but that's another story. Yes, it was beautiful. Yeah. So St. Andrew's Church in Fort William was absolutely stunning. Took a million pictures in there. And once we were done in Fort William, which was in the Highlands, then we, since we were already up there, we went to Inverness, which you really liked Inverness. Oh my God, I want to move there. It was my favorite. Edinburgh is beautiful, but it's really crowded. It's very busy. And mm -hmm. I felt like Inverness was more of a laid back, not as busy and stunningly beautiful walking along the river. I knew it was going to rain there, but they had abnormally an abnormal amount of rain while we were there. So the river was just rushing. The locks were almost overflowing. It was crazy. Even the locals anywhere we went were saying how it was an unusual amount of rain <laughs> and how it was kind of crazy. And yes, of course. But I liked Inverness too. The church there was also very pretty, but I think it was really cool having the, I'm going to call it a river. I'm sure it's not a river, but yeah, having the it was river, a river when we were there. Yes. Run through the town and walking around the river and seeing everything and the bridges going over it. That was what I loved so much about Inverness. Well, the other thing is on the way to Inverness. We had a great driver. All the drivers were great. They were super informative, super nice. They took care of everything with our bags. I highly recommend it. We didn't have to do a damn thing. We went to Yurtheart Castle on the way to Inverness. Even though it was a ruin, it was spectacular to climb through these buildings where people lived. And I just couldn't believe one, the scenery was amazing, but two, how these people survived back then when it was, it was freezing. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't know how they did it, but it, it was spectacular to stand in the kitchen, to climb up and look over Loch Ness. It was dreamy, wasn't it? It was. It was really cool. Highly recommend, even though it is the ruins of the castle, would recommend that. There, I will say there is a castle in Inverness, which we were told is not actually a castle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a newer thing and more of a touristy destination that they're trying to put there. So that was not open because that's still under construction. But keep that in mind for anybody who might be going there when it's open. That's a castle, quote unquote, but not really a castle. <laughs> 
Yeah, it looks cool though. It did. And after we left there, we were supposed to go to the Eileen Dunnan Castle, which is the famous castle where they film all the movies. When we pull in the parking lot, it is raining and so windy and I look over and I see this little stone bridge that leads from the mainland to this little island where this castle is built and there's people that actually live there but they open it for tourists and it was so rainy and windy and I looked at Rachel and I said I don't even know if we should cross that stone bridge because it's so windy and the bridge is so low we're gonna just get blown off into the lock sure enough our driver goes to buy our tickets for us and he comes back and tells us they've closed it because it's so rainy and windy i've never seen rain and wind like that that they're afraid people are going to get blown off the bridge that was a bummer we waited for a little while hoping that it would open but it never did it was just the weather was too crazy but on the plus side when we left Inverness to go to Portree which is on the Isle of Skye we got Mm -hmm. to see Helix We did. We not only got to see them, our driver was so great. He pulled over and he even brought carrots and he fed them for us because he didn't want us to get hurt. But you could touch them. They were right up to the fence and people were there feeding them carrots and stuff. And they are adorable, but Mm -hmm. they're ginormous. They're like big puppy dogs, but then you have to factor in the gigantic horns. Yeah. So there's super cute i almost want to say cuddly but they're obviously not yeah. cuddly because they had huge horns <laughs> and that was a plus was, side for us yeah the driver was so concerned he's he must have told us i don't know many times be careful of those horns be careful of those horns it's like he really felt a responsibility i felt very comfortable and safe with this person driving us and telling us what was happening so then we went to the isle of sky which is actually a lot bigger than i thought it was gonna be once you get on the island and it's huge i do have to say every place is like a seven hour drive away i'm like oh my god we're driving through the middle of nowhere there is so much open space in scotland after coming from america i I just couldn't get over that so everybody there does like a taxi service or private driving a lot of retired men that are like oh yeah i can do that and for them driving seven hours in one one way and dropping us off and then getting in the car and going back seven hours and mind you there are no street lights anywhere there i don't know how they do it because to me i would never be able to do it i think they're just used to it and that is a good point it takes forever to get between places also because things are so spread out but more than anything they don't have freeways like we have here in america there (laughs) we're so spoiled so when when you're driving everywhere it's like a two-lane road road literally for four to five hours and that's how you get from point a to point b so it was a lot of a lot of driving between locations but if you want to see stuff that's what you got to do i guess when we were trying to see a lot of an entire country yeah i think it was too much of what we wanted to do i think it would have been better if we had a couple of days stay instead of like one day in inverness i would have liked to have spent another couple of days there but we ended up going to the isle of Scott which was absolutely beautiful and the first thing we did when we were there they took us to the fairy pools that was pretty much all we did when we were there because that's almost all you can do while you're there yeah fairy pools and there's a couple other destinations you can get to to be very adventurous and very outdoorsy which we are not we did see the fairy pools that was cool but it was you know still rainy and we had to have umbrellas and the coats i (laughs) I was freezing. I didn't have my umbrella. And it's like a two and a half mile walk to these fairy pools. And there were a lot of people along the way. And coming back, I started to feel like I was going to die. I actually stopped a couple that was walking, an older couple that was walking in the other direction. The guy was a pretty big size guy. And I looked at him and I said, I will give you $150 if you push my back up this incline because I think I'm going to die. I'll give you 200 or more if you carry me, we can negotiate. And the woman said to me, she started laughing and she said, this is my biggest fear when we have to walk back. I said, just take a lot of breaks because we had to take, I had to take several breaks because I felt like my lungs were going to explode. I was starting to not feel well, I think at this point. I don't know. It is true that unfortunately the Isle of Skye was kind of the beginning of the end for us. <laughs> in terms of health. It definitely was for me. But we stayed at a lovely hotel in Portree. 
what was it called? The Cullen Hills Hotel. Mm-hmm. It was where I wanted to stay the entire time we were there in that type of building where it was an older building. The staff was really nice. There was history there. You could look across the bay and see if you Google Portree, that was our view of these beautiful buildings. And they had a room that had a fireplace in it. So we would go in there and Rachel would read and I was sketching in my sketchbook. It was really very cool. Yes, definitely recommend. We left the Isle of Skye and then we went back to Edinburgh. And the only thing I want to say about that drive is if for whatever reason, if anybody ever does this drive the drive is really fucking long but we stopped at a really cute market area for lunch oh yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know where it was you guys i have no fucking (laughs) clue sorry all i I know is it was on the drive from the isle of sky to edinburgh which keep in mind there's like two roads i think you can take so it should be easy to find once i tell you the name the name of the market was the house of brewer b-r-u-a-r super cute Highly recommend if you're ever driving between those two locations, stop there. Super cute. Yeah, it was. There's a market, there's a plant store. Of course, I almost lost my mind, but you couldn't buy, I couldn't buy anything. And then long ass drive, we finally end up getting back to Edinburgh to the same hotel we stayed at. So at least we knew what building it was in. Of course, they couldn't find our reservation. And by this point, I feel like I literally am going to die. I just want to get in the hotel room. So we finally get in the hotel room. And that was definitely the end for me. I got incredibly sick, had everything. My body was just ready to purge itself of everything. I had a fever, I had a headache, everything ached, my ears hurt, I had a sore throat, I was coughing, my chest was burning, I didn't know what the fuck was happening, I couldn't do anything from then on, I was so sick for three days in bed, and Rachel went off, I'm like, just go with the guide, we are paying for it anyway, We so we ended up not being able to go to Gretna Green, which our last driver told us was a long, long drive for a little tiny town. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do any more driving. I need to just be in bed. So we went from Isle of Skye back to Edinburgh, which was about an eight to nine hour drive. That was a full day of driving. And then the very next morning, we were supposed to leave to go to Gretna Green, which I think, if I remember remembering correctly, was about four hours each direction. And so our driver the day before had said, Gretna Green's really small. It basically, small town, is being very generous. I think it's, I think he was trying to kind of say it's like a glorified gas station almost. How (laughs) fucking small it is. (laughs) And the fact that it only has the blacksmith's shop and like a couple little teeny tiny things. And even the shop is very small. It's a shit ton of driving for a very small payoff. And then you weren't feeling well. So we ended up canceling, which I think was a good idea. Yeah, thank God we did. Yeah, so then that gave us like three days in Edinburgh, but you weren't feeling well. So that sucked because that was the most of our time in Edinburgh was at the end of the trip and you were too sick to really do anything, which was a bummer. So I was so sick, I thought you were going to end up having to take me to the hospital. I didn't know what was happening. My biggest fear was, are they going to let me on the plane? Are they going to get me out of here? And you were like calm as calm could be. I don't know whose child you are because you're definitely not me. (laughs) I was like a neurotic. I'm so sick. I don't know what's going to happen. We had to go to the pharmacy one day so I could at least get something to keep me from coughing because I was worried I was going to end up getting pneumonia. And Rachel's whole thing was like non-reactive and very calm. And I'm like, okay, I need you to have some kind of reaction. I need you to have a plan of how you're going to deal with me because you need to get me on that plane no matter what. And I don't know how we're going to do this because I seriously could heart. I couldn't really walk. Yeah. I think by the time we actually got to the flight to leave, you were doing a little bit better or maybe the drugs had really just kicked in at that point because I feel like you were not as coughing as much when we were getting on the flight and at the airport. I was hiding it. (laughs) I mean, you did really well because you 
seemed pretty good. And I will say the pharmacy there was really good and the pharmacist was fantastic. So Oh yeah, in that, Edinburgh, she was yeah, they were great. Yeah, it wasn't like going to the local Rite Aid, which basically doesn't exist anymore, or the Walgreens yeah. and getting mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't really know what's going on or they don't give a shit because they're overworked. And everybody yeah, don't you think everybody in Scotland was very kind? I mean the and nice and polite. It really was the tourist if there was any kind of a uh, you know, being rude. I did see over and over again where men, you, so you're walking on these little cobblestones and these younger men, not young, but you know, younger than me. So that could be anybody. They'd walk right at you and expect you to move. And it's like, asshole, you move, you go around me. I did find that quite annoying because that happened over and over and over again. But I believe those were tourists it was not the Scottish people. The Scottish people were very kind and very nice. They were pretty awesome. Everyone was pretty helpful with directions, driving around, anything. Yeah. So because I was so sick, I missed out on Sterling Castle. I missed out on the Royal Botanical Garden. I missed out on St. Giles. Giles Cathedral. I think you and I went to the national, the one day that I could walk, we went to the National Museum of Scotland after we went to the pharmacy. We did. We stopped there for like maybe an hour. I really felt like Rachel didn't get the fact that I was dying. And she's like, let's walk here. And I'm like, do you not understand that I cannot walk? Leave me here on this little seat. You run through the museum, see whatever you want to see. But I'm just not going to be able to function. It sucks because it's like you almost want to power through because you know you're not going to be back. But then at the same time, you're so freaking sick that you can't. That sucked. So yeah, you ended up having to stay in the hotel room and rest a bunch. And then I went off. I went to the Palace of Holyrood House, which was really cool. That's the palace that the King of England will stay in when he comes to scotland for business must be nice yeah business please yeah quote-unquote business and then (laughs) i left there i walked up the royal mile or came back down victoria street because like i said i'm obsessed with that street i was able to do saint giles cathedral the edinburgh castle and the national gallery of scotland which by the way if anybody's going there to edinburgh was really cool, had a lot oh, of God. really pretty paintings, and it was also free to get into, which was nice. So you didn't have to pay to get in there. You also didn't have to pay to get into the National Museum of Scotland. Yeah, So, great. yeah, if you're in town and you're like, oh, I have like an hour or two to kill, what should I do? Check one of those out. It's like a free option of something to do. I will say the Botanical Garden could have skipped it, but at the same time, the greenhouse was under construction and not open. I don't want to say all because this sounds fucking terrible. It was gigantic, lots of walking and a million trees to look at. So there was a lot of stuff to see, but you didn't really get to see any flowers because there wasn't really anything flowery. Yeah, the whole reason I wanted to go there is because I'm a flower fanatic and a garden fanatic, but I wanted to go to the botanical gardens and the greenhouse. I couldn't have walked anyway, so it really didn't matter. And then it started freaking me out because I'm like, really? Am I this fucking old and out of shape that I can't walk up any street without feeling like my lungs are going to implode? No, I will say that I ended up not feeling well on the plane ride back. Oh, God. Yes. At some point during the plane ride, I for sure knew that I had a fever. A couple days after we got back and then I had infected all of my family, except for my husband (laughs) who left town the same day I got home. That's a whole nother story. I ended up COVID testing myself and one of my kids and we did have COVID. Yeah, I also had COVID. I When she told me she tested, I tested. I was so pissed because it's like, really, I've gone three years without goddamn COVID. And the one time I go on this trip of a lifetime, I fucking got COVID. And that's why I was so, I've never been so sick. I was so sick. In fact, the airport, I kept freaking out because I'm like, I can't walk. I can't walk to the airport. We're going to have to go through Heathrow again. We're going to have to go to the other side of the world to get to our flight to take off to go home. Uh, We had to do assistance, which was crazy because I'm sitting in a room with everybody that's at least 70 or older and me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. But I really couldn't walk. So we got to- 
the good thing is we got to cut the lines because I didn't know they did that, but they take you right up to the front and they let you go. They were pretty good. I will give Heathrow that considering I hated that airport, they were pretty good in terms of the assistance and the wheelchair or the little golf cart situations to accommodate. I was embarrassed. I was so fucking embarrassed, but I'm like, I I, I just put my head down. I'm never going to see these people again. It's like, oh my God, I'm so sick. Yeah. And I wouldn't get embarrassed. I mean, if you need the help, you need the help. It's not like you're just being lazy. You actually needed help getting around. And especially even when you're peak optimal health that's a big fucking airport and a lot of walking so yeah <laughs> if, you're, if you're not feeling well definitely have to be like i need help getting around because this is not manageable yeah it was not manageable for me and then of course there was someone waiting when we landed we had to go through customs so we got to cut the line in customs which was amazing because i was in a wheelchair they had to put me in a wheelchair. I knew I was not well, but I didn't know that I had COVID until a couple of days after I got home. So I told Rachel and Jeff, just as soon as you get me home, just throw my suitcase inside. I'm going directly to bed. Um, And thank you for everything because it, you were a wonder and I really could not have gotten through it without you because I was so sick. I had no control. I had to put you, you were in charge and I was fine with that. You're welcome. I, you know, it was not, I would do it whenever you need it. It's not a big deal. That's what you do. And, you know, it just really sucks that the end of the trip got ruined because you had gotten sick. And then I I was super sick when I came home. So you couldn't like come home and like live on the high of like, I just had this awesome vacation. No, we came home and we were both basically in survival mode because we were so fucking sick. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. And I, I don't know how with children that you still had to run to school or run to work or things that you had to do. I don't know how you do it because I, all I could do was get up every once in a blue moon, let the dogs out to go to the bathroom and go back to bed. Well, I did it. And I managed at some point to read this book to talk about. I did too. Today. Yeah. I'm so well, proud I of it. Read. My head hurt so bad. I couldn't read, which was horrible for me because you know me. I have to read every night. But yes, I was very proud that we finished this book. We've been back for about two weeks, but we're still recovering. And so we probably still sound a little congested and everything. Worst cold Um, ever. Yeah, we did read a book and we do actually have a book to discuss today um, briefly for what it's Mm -hmm. worth. Let me read the blurb. So today's book is Kidnapped by the Vampire, book one in the Devil Springs series by C.C. Wood. We have read other C.C. Wood books. I've read a lot of other C.C. Wood books. So I do like her as an author. This book came out in June or July of this year. So this is actually one of her newest books. Okay. The blurb says, When my great aunt died, she left me her home and business in Devil Springs. The last thing I expected when I came to sell them was to meet an actual vampire who happened to be the most beautiful man I'd ever seen, or that he would kidnap me. At first, I was desperate to escape, but the longer I was the vampire's hostage, the less he seemed like a villain, especially when he made sure I had anything and everything I needed and protected me from anyone who tried to hurt me, even when I was doing my best to be the most annoying kidnappee on the planet. The mouthier I became, the more he seemed to like it. He absolutely shouldn't be boyfriend material, but the longer I was stuck living with him, the more I wanted exactly that. But there are secrets in the town of Devil Springs and some supernatural residents aren't as excited to have a human in their midst. In fact, one of them seems to want me gone permanently. That's the blurbs. Basically, what ends up happening is the female main character inherits a store, which I think is like a convenience store, grocery store in Devil Springs from her great aunt. I actually read maybe like three or four chapters in the book. And I was so confused about how old this female main character was supposed to be that I had to go back to the beginning and start over or like reread some stuff because of how she acts versus how old she is supposed to be in the story. Yeah, I didn't even No, I could care less as long as they're of legal age. I don't care how old they are doesn't even enter my mind okay i think because i didn't like how she was acting she was acting very 
immaturely through the whole book that I thought she was young, but she's actually not. So she says in the beginning of the story that she graduated high school about 13 years ago. And soon after she left to go to college and she left for college, her aunt moved to this town. And after her aunt moved to this town... She never visited her because her aunt would always just come to her. We find out later she wasn't supposed to visit because of all the supernaturals, right? So say she graduated high school when she was 17, and that was 13 years ago. So she's about 30 years old now, if not 31. But to me, she acts like she's like a petulant teenager the entire story. (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree with you on that aspect. I mean, I would have been way nicer. (laughs) Easy for me to say. Just some stuff like didn't really make sense for how old she was supposed to be. And then we also find out in the beginning of the story that her great aunt was dating somebody named Bernard and Mm -hmm. she was with him for 10 years. And so her aunt's passed away. Bernard is on like a week long road trip, I think, to spread her ashes somewhere. Yes. That's where And so, okay, yeah. So when the female main character gets to town, nobody's around. She's kind of there by herself. She's looking around this store she just got, and all of a sudden, this guy shows up, scares the daylights out of her, but of course, she instantly thinks that he's gorgeous looking. Mm-hmm. His name is Daniel Eris. Yes, his name is Daniel, and then when they're introducing themselves, that's when we find out her name is Carrie. She describes him as having black hair that gleamed in the light and fell nearly to his shoulders in waves. His skin was pale against the inky darkness, but his eyes, God, his eyes were arresting. They were green and seemed to shimmer beneath the glare of the light bulb. I highlighted that too. She says, but it wasn't the color that stole my breath. It was the intensity behind his gaze, as though he could see straight into my soul. Okay, so they have a very weird exchange. He he ends up telling her, your aunt was one of my favorite people. And then he says, or she says, yeah, she was pretty decent for a human. And he asks for a human. And she's like, yeah, out of nowhere. She's like, yeah, as, a, as opposed to a werewolf, vampire, or demon. And she's like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And why am I saying all this stuff? This whole thing didn't really make sense to me because she does make this like offhand comment about she was okay for a human and she mentions these random supernaturals. Then she sees like fangs from him and she kind of freaks out and she like, I think takes a step away from him and she falls backwards and hits her head Mm -hmm. when she falls. But she sees like his really striking green eyes and his fangs and that's the last thing she sees so then she wakes up and now this is how she's become the vampire's hostage because she made this flippant remark about supernaturals he decided to kidnap her and she wakes up handcuffed to a bed in his house yeah i'd be terrified and he's telling her please calm down Sure, who would calm down? He tells her that he's going to have her memory wiped when Bernie Mm -hmm. comes back because he tried to wipe her mind himself, but she has a protection spell around her mind, a barrier around her mind. And I don't think that was ever explained in the book, was it? It never comes to play. I don't understand why the aunt was with Bernie for 10 years, but then... She must have fucking visited Carrie all the time with Bernie because she also really likes Bernard, even though, I don't know, the whole thing was very weird. It was never explained later on what was this protection spell that supposedly only Bernard could lift off of her. Yeah. Why did she even make that fucking comment to begin with? I don't know, but he thinks, he tells her that he thinks Bernie was the one that cast this protection spell against her around her and he says to her you're completely you were completely unaware of werewolves and vampires and she freaks out and goes there is werewolves this is another thing that's weird about the book so daniel is a vampire he has fangs and he will drink blood occasionally but nothing else about him is a vampire in nature he can go out during the day nothing really about him i feel like that makes him a vampire other than his fangs it was kind of weird yeah so he concocts this whole scheme that he's going to keep her prisoner in his house until bernie comes back and lifts the protection spell around her mind so that 
Daniel can wipe her memory so she will not remember that there are supernatural people living in this town. She at first is like, fuck this. I'm not waiting for him to come back. I don't care. Get me out of here. All of a sudden in like chapter three, she starts feeling guilty. Can we stop as women feeling fucking guilty for putting our needs and our safety first and yeah. stop fucking apologizing for it? Because yeah. she actually thinks that she starts to feel guilty that she would be interrupting Bernie's time with her aunt and him saying goodbye to her. She said, I couldn't do that to him. He loved my aunt deeply. Bitch, you're the yeah. kidnapped victim <laughs> of a vampire. And you're still fucking putting other people first. I hate this about people. Like, what? Yeah, it's like, this is the perpetual message that women get where everyone else is more important than them. Stop it. She thinks, I would handle Daniel Ayers myself until Bernie came back. In fact, I would consider this an opportunity to punish him a little bit for scaring the shit out of me. And my note is, the fuck? Punish him? Yeah. First of all, she's very <laughs> immature. Why does she care so much about Bernie over herself? And I'm sorry, uh, do you have any self-preservation? Yeah. No, right. she doesn't. Yeah. And then she ends up meeting this man shows up named Garrett. Turns out he's the police chief of the town. Daniel is the mayor of the town. And Garrett is a wolf shifter. He's a huge dude. He's wolf shifter. He just emanates alpha, you know, wherever he is. And then Daniel gets all freaked out because she does undo her handcuffs with her bobby pin, which comes into play later, and ran through the woods. So now she has blisters on her feet. Daniel's all freaked out that she's hurt. This whole thing, I'm sorry, like... A lot about this book was so stupid, but he ends up chasing her through the woods because she's running off and she gets blisters on her feet. Like, what kind of shoes are you wearing that you're running probably less than a mile and you have like a million blisters on your feet? And she's like, can barely walk at this point. She was very damsel in distress. Yeah. And I didn't like it. He, you know, wants to help her, but of course she doesn't want the help because she, I'm an independent woman. I can do it myself and you kidnapped me. And she keeps doing this back and forth. If you kidnapped me, stop being nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to hate you. I don't know if it's the next day or what. He has to go to work because he is the mayor of that, you know, magical town. And so he insists that she come with him because he doesn't trust her to stay there alone. I did actually chuckle at this part because she thinks... The man had to be a mind reader because I fully intended to delete a few files from his computer. Okay, that was mm -hmm. kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and we also find out she wants her phone because she had her BFF, whose name is, God, what is her name? Sela? Yes. Is her best friend. She's going to worry about her. And she says, you know, that she is crazier than I am. If I don't respond to her messages, she's going to think that something happened to me and she might call the cops and the media. And he goes, crazier than you are? And she's like, that's your takeaway? There's a lot of talk about her BFF and a lot of conversations she ends up having with the BFF. So you know the BFF is going to come into play mm -hmm. in the series. At some point, I think it's when she's with him while he's doing his work. She witnesses a guy kind of freaking out in this little interaction that this random guy has with Daniel. That guy ends up being named leo he's a shifter right yeah and this kind of starts the tension between leo carrie and daniel so then this plays out through the whole book and at one point leo i guess touches carrie daniel says you dare to touch my dot 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 my honored guest okay so you know right away he meant to say like my mate <laughs> yeah, Leo tried to kill her. He lunged. He's losing his mind somewhere, and they go to stop him. It's Daniel's job, I guess, as mayor to stop this guy from losing his crazy shit. And Leo lunges at her, and if he got his hands on her, he almost bit her face off. So Daniel, of course, becomes all protective and possessive, and that's when we realize Daniel is thinks that this girl is his mate. 
this whole mate thing was kind of weird, and I have more to say on that when we get okay. further in the story. <laughs> All right. So then uh, we find out a little bit more about what it means for him to be a vampire. This, I think, was the only thing I highlighted. She kind of asks him about him being a vampire, and he says, I don't have to eat as often as a human, but I eat. If I skip too many meals, my body needs more blood. I don't need as much blood as a young vampire, but I do need it at least once a week or I start to feel weaker. And I think Daniel's like 125 or 150 yes. years old. He's 125. Okay. okay. Uh, my note here is that he is the saltine cracker version of a vampire because there's nothing about <laughs> him that's special. He might as well be a human. Mm, yes. I agree. Uh, it was just kind of stupid. And then in this same chapter... So this, I think, is chapter six? Yes, chapter six is my next note. I think she has had about 45 meals from the start of this book until chapter six. Mm -hmm. And so my highlight is her thinking, I suddenly remembered that I was ravenous. And my note here is how this bitch never stops eating. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah he's he's constantly giving her pastries or cooking for her or taking her out to dinner buying a coffee pot for her because she likes coffee so yeah, yeah my note is when she isn't being a petty 14 year old she's stuffing her face and that her character traits are very bizarre she's either eating or she's being a snarky bitch towards daniel for no I wouldn't say for no reason, because she has good reason, but I just didn't like that about her, that she was constantly doing those sorts of things. It didn't fit in how I felt somebody at 30 would actually react. Well, knowing myself the way I do, he would have won me over with the coffee pot. So I, I don't know why she was still fighting him. She was very back and forth for most of the book about, he's nice to me. He's not nice to me. I have to remember this. I just wanted her to kind of go through the emotions in more of a linear way, I guess, than this like back and forth. And she was constantly jumping between how she was feeling. Yes. And at some point, Daniel puts a cut uh, like some kind of metal bracelet on her wrist she's like i don't want this why are you doing this and he says this is going to keep you within the boundaries of the town to keep you from running away she's all like a shock collar <laughs> he's like no it basically is like that in the invisible fence that you can get for your pets yeah that's kind of what this good bracelet was supposed to be the next thing i had to highlight because of course you everybody knows this about me by now but at some point she sees him i don't remember what he's doing but this is what she describes as him wearing a navy tank top covered his torso leaving his arms and shoulders bare sweat gleamed over lean muscles he rolled up to a sitting position and stood gray sweatpants hugged his hips his hair was pulled back into a low ponytail and a few strands were loose around his face oh man this was going to be torture. He refused to kiss me last night, and now he was parading around in gray sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, I highlighted that for you, too, because I laughed. I'm like, oh, Rachel's going to love this part. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was hilarious. So she starts to kind of put advances on him, and he's resisting because he knew her aunt, and... He kind of says, like, this shouldn't be happening, which at the same time, why does he kind of initially react like that? Because that is supposedly his mate. Uh, yeah. I don't really get it. Isn't it one of those things where it's he she is his mate, but he's he cares for her enough to let her go back to her regular life? I mean, I guess, but he never tells her that this isn't dual POV. So we don't really get his side of the story to think figure out that's what he's thinking yeah and we also at this point i think of the book we meet a woman called lenora who is leo's mother who is evil and she's the bad guy in the book and leo's a big mama's boy leo was kind of an interesting character too because he's a mama's boy and the a bad guy but then towards the end of the book like really really towards the end of the book he's not a bad guy anymore he's more on their side kind of mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, What was also interesting was when they finally have sex and she thinks he was barely inside me, but this was already the best sex of my entire life. Oh, dear okay. God, stop it. I rolled my eyes so hard at that. 
Yeah, it it's, was ridiculous. And she thinks she has Stockholm Syndrome. Which she might, but you know, getting her pastries every morning and plying her yeah. coffee is doing things for her. And it would do <laughs> things for me as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you're hot as hell. You're wearing gray sweatpants. You're keeping me fed. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would ever want to leave this guy either. She just took longer to get there than I would have. I would have been all yeah. over him, you know, like a $2 whore right away. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is how I know you're my child. Yeah. <laughs> So sad but true. Like, yep, that wouldn't take much for me either. So now they kind of move into the part of their relationship where they're having sexy times and he's doing a lot of biting on her and he's drinking her blood. He does bite her in some very interesting locations. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this for me was the only thing this book had going in its favor were these very vivid, very interesting sex scenes. Yes. If anybody wants to uh, read them, chapter 17, page 152, that's a good area to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just start there. Start Just, on that you know, page. work your way around there. <laughs> yeah. And then she's freaking out because she is developing feelings for him, but he's going to make, she thinks he's going to make her forget about him and she doesn't want to forget about him. I. It's a different day when she's at the office with him and Leo shows up and talks to Daniel. This is towards the end of the book, like maybe 80% in. And something Leo says to Daniel makes Daniel leave. So then it's just Leo there. The secretary, who's Poppy. also a shifter. Poppy? Her name is Poppy, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I totally was blanking on her name. So it's Leo, Poppy, and Carrie all at the office. They're kind of hanging out, waiting for Daniel to come back. But then Leo does that bad guy switch where he's actually orchestrated for Carrie and Poppy to get kidnapped and taken somewhere. They have to get away from him and all this stuff. I only mention all of that because while all of this is happening, Leo does say something to her about her being Daniel's mate. Correct. So they have this whole conversation about her being his mate, all this stuff. They get kidnapped. She ends up getting free. When she's back with Daniel, having other conversations with him and... Poppy. Poppy says something about Carrie being Daniel's mate. This is the point when Carrie freaks out about being the mate. She says to Daniel, mate, why would she think I'm your mate? She mentioned it at your office and it didn't click then, but it sure as hell does now. Did you forget to mention that I was promising to be your wife if I had sex with you? So she gets all pissed off at Daniel about the whole mate thing. Yeah. As if she hadn't heard it before, but she had already heard it from Leo. I don't know if she supposedly forgot this after she got kidnapped again. <laughs> it's like a kidnapping within a kidnapping. I don't know. <laughs> she it's a it multi-layered kidnapping. Yeah, it was kind of dumb and it didn't fit because she already knew about it because she already talked to Leo and Poppy a little bit about it or she had heard them mention it. So she should have just like asked him about it instead of orchestrating the second hearing of it. I don't yeah. know. It was stupid and unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah, and shortly thereafter, Bernard comes back and says, what on earth have you gotten yourself into while I was gone? Daniel doesn't say anything about, like, you're my mate, I'm in love with you, yada yada. So she does leave. This is, like, the third act breakup that you see in books. She doesn't hear from him for several days. She's upset. She's rubbing the sternum on her chest because she, like, feels like an empty, hollow ache there. She, I guess, decides... Oh, she talks to her friend, Sella, again. Yeah. And yeah. Stella's like, well, sure, he lied to you about whatever. It, she won't tell her that he's like a supernatural. What about all the nice things he did for you? And it's up to you to decide. Can you get over it? So then Carrie finally decides, yes, I can get over it. I love him, even though I've only known him for like five days. And he did kidnap me. But he does ply me with coffee and pastries and wear those gray sweatpants. So I'm going to forgive him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I would forgive him too. Yes, I never would have left in the first place. I would have been like, you right. never forcefully remove me from this property. <laughs> oh, by the way, he also lives in like her dream house. Oh, right. Yes. So everything in the house is exactly what she wanted. Yes, he's all that and a bag of chips, or in his case, a stack of saltine crackers. And she's <laughs> here for it. So the story basically ends if I'm getting this right, they end up together. They're going to basically live happily ever after. But I think the conflict with Leo and his mom is not necessarily wrapped up, right? So that will continue on in the series. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like a standalone because book two is a different couple, but I'm sure that conflict will carry over into their book. So what'd you think of this book? So I would only give this book one wet panty because the sex scenes were really good. But I didn't like the book itself because I hated the female main character. And I thought Daniel was the most boring vampire ever. (laughs) Unfortunately. But I think like having said that, I would be interested to read book two because maybe I would like those characters more. I did like the police officer. That's who it is. It's the sheriff. That was the shifter. And her BFF, Sella. It's their book. Sella, yeah. Yeah, I have read a lot, a lot of C.C. Wood books. And I have to say I was pretty disappointed in this book. It did have sometimes little witty comments that, you know, I I like C.C. Wood for writing. But there was a lot of the book that I didn't think was great. So I probably would also only give it one dry panty i mean i it was all right but it just didn't do use me she it just didn't do it for me i don't really understand why i didn't like this story more because i have read other stuff from this author and i did like it i guess i just really didn't like the characters it was hard for me to read it to finish yeah it was because i didn't like her at all yeah i skimmed a lot of it because i didn't care for it in fact we when we picked our own books to review, I picked a C.C. Wood book. I did a review of a C.C. Wood book, or I don't know if you did mm-hmm. too, because I don't remember shit, anything anymore. I don't either. I will say I do like this author, and I might read book number two, but this character. But also, I think I'm more forgiving if she was actually a lot younger than she was. If she was like 22... 19 i would have been much more lenient in her behavior and her attitude Mm -hmm. but because she was like 30 31 i couldn't get over it because she was too immature yeah i'll have to agree with you i was trying to pull up the what i'm reading now because there were so many other books that i wanted to read plus i had been so sick i couldn't read for a long time for me it was a long time and so it was hard for me to read this book because there were there were better things out there that I wanted to read. I could see that. So this one was kind of a miss, but we do like this author, some of her other stuff. Right. Um, but like I said, maybe download it off of KU if it's on there just to read some of those sex scenes because, whoa, doggy, those were worth it. Yeah, <laughs> those, yeah those, those were definitely were good. Can I tell you what I read in the interim? Let me announce the next book and then we can quickly go over... The other stuff we read, because I have to get, I have to jump off soon. Our next book is going to be Lucifer's Daughter by Kel Carpenter. New author for me. Yes, me too. So then, yeah, tell me what you read. So I read, I finished J.R. Ward's Darius, which was very different than what I thought it was going to be. I did like the backstory about Darius, but it was different than the other books in the series about the Black dagger brotherhood i also read rebecca zanotti's book number 16 in the their dark protector series and i've been waiting for this book forever it was called warrior's hope to find out who hope was going to choose and what was going to happen and honestly i was a little disappointed in the book i didn't think it was as good as it could have been. And then the other thing that I read was I went back to that motorcycle, <laughs> you know, the Hell Riders books. Okay. And I ended up finishing a, uh, 
one book in this. Oh my God, I'm getting a crap ton of messages coming through because I turned on my, took it off airplane mode so I could get to this. I read um, Craving It All, which is book five in the series, which was good. Now I'm on book number six. That's called Faking It All. That has to do with um, Bull, who is filling in as the enforcer. That's pretty interesting. Okay. Oh, I also started reading The Fall of the Orc by Finley Fan, And I don't know why, but this book is not doing it for me. I love Finley Fan. I love her orc books. They're my favorite type of orc books, but it's just not doing it for me. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. halfway through it and stopped and started okay. reading the Motorcycle Gang book. What about you? Oh my gosh. I've read so much stuff since we last recorded. The Hunt by Reese Barden. That was good. Night Sector by Lexi C. Foss. I love that series by her. The Alpha's Regret by Reese Barden. That was good. I read Ironheart by Alessa Thorne. That was good, but I will say that for some reason, the mythology of the characters kind of threw me. Maybe because it's so different from anything she's done yet. So I was trying to learn a whole new world. I did like it, but it was a little hard for me to follow. Blood Runner Dragon and Blood Runner Bear from T.S. Joyce. Uh, wow. Those were both okay. And I've also read, reread the first three books, or excuse me, book two and book three in the Red Rising trilogy because I w- got book four from the library and I needed to refresh my memory as to what happened that sounds like a lot of books but keep in mind we really haven't recorded for like a month so <laughs> yeah that that's kind of what i've read for the month of october and audiobooks i listened to the wrath of the fae the box set by Alyssa thorne i was a little disappointed in that series after reading her other greek mythology series i didn't mm-hmm. like it and then I started listening to Ruby Dixon's uh, Fire and His Blood and Fire and His Kiss, which is her dragon series. And I got to tell you, reading the books is very different to me than audiobooks because audiobooks, I'm like, this is just smut. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't believe these people are saying these. You know, I'm fine reading it, but hearing it said, I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out a little bit. That's hilarious. Well, that's me. A qua- I am a conundrum. How's that? That was a very fast episode of what we did in Scotland and the book recap. But we did it. I'm very proud of us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're back, baby. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go do some stuff and start editing this episode. And I gotta read this next book because we're back to every week, y'all. So, we oh my God. This. Yeah, I better get on with it. <laughs> All right. You have a great day. All right. You too. All right, honey. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.